Welcome back, everyone, um, and welcome to another episode of Cowboy Smart Money, a podcast provided to enhance the financial strength and resilience of service members in the state of Wyoming. I'm your host, Tech Sergeant Jackie Marshall, and co-hosting with me is Sergeant First Class Frank Marquez. That's right. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been a while for us, but we're, we're glad to be back. So I think we're a little punchy, too. Yeah. <laughs> I am, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> And again, joining us for the third time is Mr. Glenn Lyons. Welcome, Good Glenn. afternoon. It's nice to be back. And Glenn, again, he um, just to give a little introduction about Glenn, if you haven't listened before, Glenn serves as a personal financial counselor to service members in Wyoming. He's a chartered life underwriter and chartered financial um consultant with 30 years of experience providing financial advice and counsel. So welcome back again, Glenn. And thank you for coming to talk about financial transitions today, which is a pretty big topic in our department. Um, It can range from all kinds of different financial transitions, and that's why you're here. You're going to be telling us all about it, (laughs) answering lots of questions. So is there anything going on currently that in your world, Glenn, that um, that's related to uh, financial transitions? You know, what I'm seeing right now is deployments. We've got uh, we've got a number of deployments uh, that are, are pending, and that is a financial transition. Uh, a lot of times, you think of financial transitions in terms of uh, am I leaving the military or um, uh, retiring from the military or, or leaving them for a civilian uh, position, but financial transitions cover quite a lot more than that. They can be uh, getting married, for instance. Uh, certainly a financial transition. You're, you're bringing two households into one, um, whether it's a traditional marriage or not. Um, oftentimes, uh, if, if you get promoted or you get a pay raise, that's a financial transition, and there are questions around that. Uh, and then in addition to that, you've got certainly the, the, the more traditional thought process of, I'm retiring, that's a financial tra- tradition, or transition, excuse me, um, or, or if I'm leaving the military to pursue other uh, career paths, that would be a transition as well. And now with deployments, it totally changes the financial picture. And, it does. And, it does. Uh, I, I got a call here um, a few weeks ago from a spouse down in Denver, and um, her husband's a physician. He's going to take a huge cut in pay mm-hmm. for a year, mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out how they deal with that. And they and the employers usually won't compensate. No, they won't. For they won't make up the difference. No, I mean they'll hold the job, but uh, but they won't make up the difference. So, so, so that sort of impacts benefits as well in, in yeah. his retirement because it's, it's, he's missing time and pay. It, it does. It impacts uh, benefits. It impacts family income. Uh, it may impact the spouse's ability to pursue her career. Uh, but if there are children involved, then you've got daycare involved, those kinds of things. Uh, so uh, I think uh, there are not a lot of people that fully appreciate what particularly guard members go through when they deploy. 
this really is truly a significant sacrifice uh, on the part of not just the Guard member, but the family as well uh, for of a deploying service member because of those financial issues um, on top of the relationship issues. And then the kind of support they may receive returning from a deployment. That's correct, too. too. Right. And then when they return, a lot of times they will have uh, certain perceptions about having earned a lot of money while they were gone, and therefore they deserve to go spend a lot of money. And that's not unusual to see. And I wouldn't uh, tell anybody that they haven't earned it and they shouldn't spend it, but I would tell them uh, to be wise about how they spend it, and perhaps they don't need to spend all of the money that they've earned. Like a $36,000 truck. That- uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, st- <laughs> not pointing the finger at anyone. <laughs> In one case, a $60,000 truck. Oh, jeez. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. So that Probably sort of segues into our questions here a little bit about uh, the impact of uh, what it means to save. Um, so, so, Glenn, what should I be doing financially to prepare for retirement? Okay. Well, I, I, I had thought about that ahead of time because I knew that that was going to be one of the questions that we have here. But financially, to prepare for retirement when you're transitioning out of the military, uh, the first thing that you should have a good handle on is what your monthly expenses are. And so you want to develop a good spending plan. And a good spending plan is going to then uh, address what your, your, your expenses are, but it's also going to address uh, your income sources. And what I find for uh, military uh, service members that are, that are retiring is that they'll have multiple sources of income. They may have a military retirement pension. Uh, They may have Social Security. If they're a technician, they may have FERS. Uh, They may have the the bridge annuity that goes with the FERS uh, contract when they retire. Um, And then they may have investments in addition to that, like thrift savings plan. And so by having all of those income sources and understanding what your expenses are, then you're going to be able to layer uh, the income sources and and begin to take income from where you need it rather than, for instance, cashing in the thrift savings plan and taking income from that. Perhaps that's not something you would need until much later. Or even taking lump sums in retirement. That's correct. Very very few people need lump sums in retirement. What What most people look for in retirement is income. Uh, you know, if you have a, a $400,000 thrift savings plan, um, do you really need 400000 bucks tomorrow? Probably not. What you're going to need is the income that will produce. And at 5% um, interest, for $400,000 would produce $20,000 a year or roughly $1,800 a month uh, in income. And when you're talking about um, preparing for retirement, are you talking about the typical retiring at the retirement age? Because a lot of people in the military are probably retiring before the 65-year range. So some of those have limitations, right, or penalties if you take them out early? Most definitely they do. 
uh, and and I find that is often the case. Uh, I'll, I'll see service members who are retiring at age 52 or age 55, and a lot of times what they'll want to do, because they're not ready to quit working anyways, they'll go get a part-time job. And depending on what their status was in the military, they may not be eligible for their uh, military pension until they're 60 anyway. Uh, if they're uh, retiring from um, federal service um, on the, uh, for instance, as a technician, uh, they're often eligible to begin to draw that first retirement. Uh, but even then, um, the TSP, um, those kinds of things are limited to be age 59 and a half before you can take that. And so what I try to do uh, when I'm doing the planning around this is we'll have an initial retirement age, say age 50. Uh, we'll take a look at the expenses, and then we'll look at what sources of income can be tapped at age 50. And that may include a, another job somewhere. And then a secondary retirement age, maybe that's age 60, and that's where the military pension begins to kick in. Uh, at age 62, you can take Social Security. Uh, and so oftentimes I'll have uh, initial retirement all the way out to tertiary uh, retirement ages and, and different income sources come into play at those different ages. That's really smart. And by this time, you probably want to be reducing the amount of debt that you're carrying in, into that age as well. That's, that's certainly true. If you can reduce that debt ahead of time, uh, that's, that's really smart planning. Uh, there still is going to be a certain amount of, of debt. For instance, a car, people pay off their cars, but cars are an ongoing expense. Uh, even if you pay off the car, you know, chances are after you retire, you're going to live 25 years. It's probably longer than your car is going to live. Uh, <laughs> but uh, a lot of times, uh, you, if, if you can get the house paid off, those kinds of things uh, that, that should, be, should be out of the way, certainly credit card and short-term debt. And hope the taxes don't go up too much. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that one. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> So the next question I have is, what should I be doing financially to prepare for non-retirement separation from the military? So if you're simply going to leave the military uh, before 20 years of service, then you're not going to have a military pension. Uh, you may, however, have a thrift savings plan. Um, a lot of the questions that I get around this are, are what do I need to do with my thrift savings plan? And the answer is that you've got several options uh, with the thrift savings plan. Uh, you can either leave it at thrift savings, uh, in which case you'll continue to have access to it. You can manage the money between dif the different uh, thrift savings uh, plan funds. Um, and really nothing changes with that other than it will continue to grow. You just can't add to it. Uh, a second option would be that you could roll it over into uh, your individual IRA, or if you're going to work for an employer that has a 401k that accepts that, those, um, that money, uh, it could be rolled over into the 401k. Um, finally, you could take it in cash, but if you're not 59 and a half years old, you're going to pay a 10% penalty, and it's going to be fully taxable um, to the amount that you take. 
uh, and that will be added to your annual income and whatever tax bracket that puts you into is, is where you're going to be. Um, again, when you retire, uh, or excuse me, when you don't retire, when you simply separate, um, it's a good idea before you do to uh, make sure that you understand what your expenses are going to be and where your income is going to come from. If you've got another job lined up um, and what that pays, what your take home is going to be and how that compares to your expenses. One of the things, and I was in a uh, retirement uh, class this morning, the uh, the out processing class, um, talking to, to service members that, that were leaving the military. And I would certainly make a plug uh, for reconsidering that decision, at least in terms of uh, your uh, association with the Wyoming Army and Air Guard. Uh, and the reason, primary reasons for that, besides, besides the service that you bring and the value that you bring to the organization, is that the health care benefits are tremendous. Um, you're going to have to pick those up on the outside if you leave. Uh, and and it's going to cost a lot of money to do that. Um, the the other um, the other piece that I would suggest uh, with that is that with with regard to your um, guard pay, if you were to put say seventy percent of that into thrift savings plan. Uh, and and simply allow that to grow, you would develop substantial resources at your retirement. And so for uh, for a commitment of two days a month uh, and a couple of weeks during the year and potentially certainly deployments, uh, but for that commitment, um, you can you can amass quite a lot of additional money for retirement purposes from a part-time job. And there aren't any part-time jobs out there that I'm aware of that offer those kinds of benefits, particularly the health care uh, and the thrift savings plan. Mm-hmm. So that's my plug for retention here. That's true. Awesome plug. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so next question is, uh, what is a good strategy for saving money following a pay increase from a promotion or cost of living increase? Right. And, and this is something that uh, is, is easy to do. People get used to living on the, the income that they make. And typically, as your income goes up, your lifestyle tends to go up as well. And it is not unusual for me to encounter people that they get several raises uh, and increases in in uh, their income over a lifetime, but they always manage to spend it. Hmm. It's funny how that works. <laughs> it's, it's like permission. That's, yeah. Yes, that's right. It's it's it's, it's like uh, yeah. It's it's like if you you build another room on the house, you somehow manage a way to fill it up. Yeah. And, and so what I have always advised my clients is that if you can take fifty percent of your increase and set that aside. Go ahead and enjoy the other half. Uh, you've earned it, okay? And, and life is transitory. Um, there are no guarantees. But enjoy half of it and take 50% of the increase and set it aside, either in, um, in a shorter-term investment or, uh, or uh, a retirement plan. I think that's a good way to to manage so, pay increases. So we were recently given a, a pay increase in the military. Right. And I have secretly, don't tell my wife, I have secretly taken that increase and 
um, squirreled it away in another bank account, which right? she, which she doesn't know about, and I forget about. So right, okay, so okay. I, I think that's the right. That's yeah. it. Uh, and and there again, if 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 you make make a decision to increase your thrift savings plan, you don't even see it. Mm-hmm. It simply comes out of your check ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So how do I transition my finances into a permanent relationship with another person? Okay, and that's that's a question that I get a lot because we again we think of financial transitions in terms of retirement and changing jobs and things like that, but a financial transition can also be entering into uh, a permanent relationship with someone else, and at that point uh, you may be looking at combining those finances or at least a portion of those finances, uh, and and I see it uh, from one end of the spectrum to the other. Some people simply don't want to make their finances and and other people will will combine everything and and I think that a healthy way to do it is somewhere in the middle um, certainly if you don't combine your finances then you have to allocate what expenses belong to who and that can lead to uh, some relationship types of issues um, what I generally recommend is that you you determine what expenses are joint and then you contribute to a household um, checking account to cover those expenses. And a lot of times incomes are unequal. And so then the question becomes, well, how much should I contribute? Well, my suggestion would be that if you're making two-thirds of the income, you would contribute two-thirds of the expense. The other person would contribute one-third of the expense. Because the last thing that you want to end up with is one of the partners who has no money and the other one who has a lot of money. And I see it from time to time. And it creates a lot of resentment. Uh, it creates anger, uh, the perception that they're being controlled, uh, and it's just not a good situation. Uh, and so what I have advocated is that if you don't have a good handle on it, get with me, and I'll help you figure that out uh, at an individual appointment where, where we can sit down with a couple and determine what the incomes are, what the expenses are, uh, and and it, it, if it's done correctly, it doesn't create a controlling relationship. And you said you get that question quite a bit. Is that like almost monthly you're getting that question? I probably? would say I see that at least once a month. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, 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 you know, finances and relationships can't be separated. They, uh, they go hand in hand. And if you can get the finances set up correctly, it just takes one layer of pressure off of that relationship. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving on, um, how does returning from a deployment impact my financial planning, Glenn? As I had indicated earlier, when soldiers and airmen return from deployment, they've been gone uh, from home for a long time, and often they haven't had an opportunity to spend any of their money. Uh, a lot of times they've earned a lot of money. Uh, Oftentimes, before they leave, we will set up uh, a plan to actually account for all the money that they're earning. Sometimes it goes to pay off outstanding debt. Um, Other times, they'll come back and having put money into the savings deposit plan, which is available to uh, certain service members in uh, high-impact zones, uh, they can can come back with, with substantial money. And 
simply allowing your emotions to run wild with that money can be very detrimental. And so what I urge people to do is to write down a list of their goals, what they're really wanting to achieve, what's really going to add value to your life, and understand the opportunity cost and the future value of that money uh, if you use it to buy a television set and a pickup truck, uh, which is a little facetious, but I see it a lot, uh, versus maybe taking some of that money and enjoying it and putting the rest away so that it takes pressure off of you later. Um, the uh, I, I ran into a, a situation um, at, at another unit, which I won't name, but the commander asked me to speak to uh, his service members who were, were buying a lot, of, a lot of vehicles, motorcycles and pickup trucks. And uh, when you run a time value of money calculation on, say, a $40,000 pickup truck uh, versus maybe buying that same vehicle used for 25000 and taking the difference in that payment and setting it aside in an investment. And what, what you end up with in one scenario is you end up uh, with a $40,000 pickup truck in five years that's five years old and maybe worth 20000 bucks or $25,000 um, and nothing in, uh, in reserve. Or you end up with that $25,000 truck that might be worth fifteen in five years, but you've taken the difference in that payment, you've invested it, and um, you've got substantial money then in reserve. Mm -hmm. And uh, my comment to the unit was, you tell me what's sexier. <laughs> $15,000 in the uh, in the savings account. Having something to eat. And, <laughs> yeah, and an old truck or an old truck. Right. <laughs> Which, what, yeah. What's going to attract the yeah. uh, the uh, the ladies better? So, so as I heard you when we when you started this uh, answering this question, you said to meet with a soldier or airman prior to deployment because their head's a little bit more clear than when. When they get they back, get back. <laughs> that certainly yeah. is true. Uh, and and I, I generally, uh, I beat that horse at SRPs. Uh, I'll talk about that, and I'll talk about the savings deposit plan that's available to them and try to pique their interest, and then at Yellow Ribbon events, uh, when I get to meet with, with the spouse or the family, uh, I'll talk about, you know, what what are the plans long-term for this additional money? And in, in most cases, it is. It's going to be additional money. It's more money than they were making in their civilian job, um, and they, they really aren't going to spend it. Um, a lot of times they'll they'll cancel a car lease and or they don't have an apartment anymore, and so they're able to save some significant money. And if you can address that going in before um, they come back and uh, the money is burning a hole in the pocket, uh, then uh, I think it, you know having a game plan before the game is much better than trying to put one after the game. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I'm sure you're doing a lot with that right now with the most recent deployments and an upcoming one as well. I am. I'm seeing a lot of service members right now around these deployments. And, and you know, that's really a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really a good thing. The SRPs have helped, um, the podcasts, the Yellow Ribbon events, and I've been here for quite a while mm -hmm. at this point, and people know who I am. 
and so word gets around. That's great. <laughs> I, I think it's a kind of a good way to, that you stated it. When they see that extra money, they think they define it as windfall, or they think of it as windfall. This is extra money that I can spend. Right. And so I suppose if they had redefined it and, and said, okay, well, this is money that uh, uh, I can think of more in terms of what, what might be a regular salary or mm-hmm. right what would come that. to my mind is rather than windfall opportunity knocking mm-hmm. because if uh, if you can get a seven percent return on your money it'll double in 10 years and so if you come back with fifteen thousand dollars in 10 years that can become thirty thousand dollars at seven percent, and in ten more years it becomes sixty thousand dollars, which might be a ticket to an early retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, there's always uh, there's always an opportunity cost for everything that we do, whether it's time or money or uh, or anything else. But that opportunity cost needs to be weighed in terms of what I can do now versus what I could do if I didn't do this. Because there's, there's an infinite number of other things that you could do. You could save the money. You could uh, invest the money. You could mm-hmm. uh, put it aside for college. You could go to college on it. But what beckons is the Fifth Avenue mm-hmm. uh, advertising the approach. That's what I was that, just going to say. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. That's what beckons. That's that's what's front and center in most of our consciousness because we're bombarded by it on a daily, hourly, minutely basis. And so if you can step back from that and take a deep breath and say, okay, I could do that. And you know what? I probably deserve to do that because I've been gone for a year. Uh, but... What else could I do that I might actually deserve more and get more value out of? Mm -hmm. And that's where writing those goals down becomes very significant because if if, if you write the goals down, you're going to determine what adds value to your life. And it might be a short-term fix uh, of a new vehicle, motorcycle, truck, whatever, Mm -hmm. but when you write it down and you step back from it, you go, you know what? In a year, that's not going to have the same appeal that it does now mm-hmm. versus if if I have other, other um, opportunities available because I didn't do that. And, and speaking of marketers, are there, are there any, is there anything in place organizationally to prevent uh, predatory practices on veterans who are returning because, as I had said, soldiers are not always in their right frame of mind coming back. There are some legal restrictions around things like payday lending, but certainly nobody is going to um, tell a soldier that he can't buy a new new vehicle uh, or a new television set or a new set of furniture or... Uh, and, and a lot of times it's a spouse that is also a, um, I guess, a codependent mm-hmm. in, in, in this uh, process because they've also been doing without mm-hmm. for a year. And, and so there is a tendency to celebrate, and I certainly wouldn't discourage that 
What I would encourage is that you put limits on that celebration so that you don't sell your future for uh, some instant gratification. Right, so it's kind of a psychological preparation too. Financial planning is about money, but it's mostly about the way you think about money Mm -hmm. and what goes on in your head. It's very psychological. Interesting. So you touched on this uh, earlier, but we're going to talk about it a little bit more. So, um, Glenn, what do I do with my TSP or thrift savings plan when I leave military service? Right. And what I touched on earlier were what your options are. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically, you can leave it at TSP, in which case it's not going to cost you anything. Um, there's not going to be any tax ramifications. You're going to continue to be able to control it. If you roll it over, you're going to, uh, in most cases, go to a financial institution who's they're probably going to charge you a fee uh, because nobody works for nothing um, to put that into a different investment. Uh, and so uh, given the performance of the thrift savings plan, uh, I, I would strongly encourage at least uh, considering leaving it there as opposed to rolling it over. Uh, I'm not sure that rolling it over is going to enhance the return on the money uh, because if it's, if it's in a market-based instrument, it's still going to get market returns just like Thrift Savings Plan does. Uh, but you're not going to be paying somebody a fee to do that. If you go to work for a private employer, it can go into a 401k usually without fees. Um, But again, there are internal fees associated with those 401ks, and comparing those with the thrift savings plan is probably a good idea, making sure that, you know, if your employer 401k plan is charging 1% internally, that's going to come off of your rate of return versus uh, TSP, I think, is 0.039%. It's very low. Uh, So some considerations there. And um, as I said earlier, if you distribute it, if you take a distribution on it uh, and you're, you're younger than age 59 and a half, you're going to pay a 10% penalty on it as well as um, pay the taxes on it. And at the same time, you have uh, basically liquidated your retirement. Doesn't sound like a good option, that last one. <laughs> no, and uh, the, the only time I really see it is a lot of times people find themselves in significant debt and yeah. use it to pay off the debt. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that may be the solution, Yeah. but other times it's not. And again, having a conversation about it is probably time mm-hmm. well spent. Or if they're questioning, go see you. <laughs> right, that's right. This is a good question because I feel like it's not discussed that often. So next question, is my life insurance affected by a transition out of the military? And you're right. Uh, it's, not, it's not discussed very often. But the fact is, when you leave the military, your SGLI, uh, your service members group life insurance, does uh, terminate. Um, which means that if you've got a family, uh, you've really left them exposed. Mm-hmm. You can pick up a transition policy. It's a transition life insurance policy for service members that are leaving. It's usually a significantly lower amount. It's usually much more expensive. Uh, what I would strongly consider um, advising is is that you go look at a private life insurance policy uh, through through a private carrier. 
uh, before you leave. Uh, and if, if you're in good health, uh, to get that policy actually in force before you leave the military. If you're not in such good health, then understand that when you leave the military, you may be leaving your life insurance. Good to know. Very so good stay in shape. Yeah. Keep doing the PT. That's right. Keep doing <laughs> the PT. All right. Last question. Um, what is a survivor benefit option and how should I plan for it? Okay. And that comes back to the life insurance because uh, when you retire after 20 years of military service, um, you have the option when you take your pension of providing your spouse with half of your pension when you die. And it's not if, it's when, it's when you die. In exchange for that, if you choose to do that, uh, they will charge you uh, 6% of your pension will be the cost of, of that benefit. And so if you were, for instance, taking a $30,000 pension a year and you wanted the survivor benefit option, 6% of $30,000, I believe, is $1,800 uh, a year. And that would be the reduction in your pension in order to provide your spouse with $15,000 a year. Actually, it wouldn't be fifteen; it would be 14100 because when you take the reduction uh, from your um, pension plan, you would then be getting twenty-eight thousand two hundred, and half of that would be fourteen thousand one hundred. Okay, so that's what the survivor benefit option does. What I uh, urge service members to do again is to go out and look for a life insurance policy on the outside uh, that would cost something similar to that and would provide a spouse with the same amount of money. But what's, what's significant about that is that if your spouse predeceases you and you have a survivor benefit option, there may not be any money paid out to anyone ever. Whereas if you have a life insurance policy and a spouse predeceases you or you, you would die at the same time, then the kids are going to get the money. Somebody's going to get the money at some point. And so understanding that survivor benefit option when you leave the military is very important. So if you don't take this option, your spouse doesn't get anything That's from your pension. Correct. It just ends. It just ends when you die. Oh. And no one wants to leave their spouse in that situation. No, and, but the question is, is there a more effective means of mm-hmm. doing it? And there might very well be by purchasing your own life insurance, yeah. taking that $1,800 difference. Um, taking the full pension, now you're going to get 30000 but when you die, your spouse is going to get a life insurance uh, payout, and, uh, and that's going to be tax-free. So if you've got questions about that, please don't hesitate to uh, contact me. Yeah, because I think that's something that um, people automatically assume, and I think I did until recently with my uh, partner's family, that if they served in the military, the wife would get the pension if he, you know, someone passed away. So, and that's not true, obviously, no, if they don't take the option. If they don't take the option. However, if they don't take the option, typically the spouse has to sign off on that. Okay. Uh, and, oh. and again, be aware that, that that option only provides half of the pension. So, so this will become a discussion yes. at some point. At some point it does become, an, a, a, well, unless the service member simply says, yeah, I'll take the survivor benefit option, hmm. and 
uh, and, and doesn't give it any further thought. And then the question becomes, could they have done a better job mm-hmm. with the money uh, by, by simply purchasing an outside life insurance policy? Are there um, life insurance policies that the uh, military recommends upon there are not. the transition, or just it's just basically on your own, do your own research? And, That's correct. Yeah. What I can do, though, uh, because I've sold life insurance for 25 years, is once you've done some research and gotten some quotes, I can look over your shoulder and we can determine if there are better policies available. And so I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, we can we can determine whether or not the uh, the agent that you're talking to has sharpened his pencil mm-hmm. as 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 well as he should have. So, so Glenn, are you available for car shopping too? Uh, <laughs> just Come right along. That's more problematic. <laughs> However, in both cases, you are buying an asset. Uh, with the car, you're buying the car, and we know that's going to depreciate. With a life insurance policy, sure. you're buying money. Yeah. And if you buy it right, it yeah. won't depreciate. It'll depreciate. So if you have questions for Glenn, life insurance, anything, any of these topics we talked about, or car shopping, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Remember, you can call him at 307-772-5362, or you can email him at wyomingfinancialcounselor at gmail.com, and we will have this information as well where this podcast is posted. That's, I, I, I've actually learned quite a bit in this, in this one. I took a lot of notes yeah, as well. I, I will <laughs> Good. seriously take a look at the life insurance. Yeah, shift, you, should, so. you should do that uh, before yeah. you leave, and as young as you can, mm-hmm. uh, because as we get older, our health right. doesn't get any better. I'm on the downslope, so I'm... Well, yeah. we're, yeah. we're, all on the, we're all on the downslope from about age 18, I think. Yeah, right? <laughs> Again, remember, reach out to Glenn if you have questions, and he's available for appointments free, and you can also Skype him as well, so just get in touch with Glenn if you have any questions. Um, and then speaking of, and we talked again about thrift savings um, during this episode, that will be our next episode. So um, if you do have questions, please email them to yoguard at gmail.com or email our PA distro list or give us a call up here. Um, We'll have all this information included where you uh, listen to this podcast. And again, if you are not following us on Facebook, please follow us at W-Y-O-Guard and um, you can message message or comment or ask us questions for the next podcast on there. And uh, thank you again, Glenn. You've been the driving force of this uh, podcast. It's my pleasure. Um, Hopefully we can get some more people on um, on, in any future podcasts. And if anyone has a story or maybe a testimony about some type of financial financial success or or failure or or tips or anything that you want to share, we'll have you in for a podcast if you'd like to join us. So feel free to get in touch with uh, State Public Affairs. Thank you again for listening, and thank you again, Glenn. Thanks for having me. I enjoy doing this. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Cowboy Smart Money.